everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Cats and Bolts podcast here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm your host, Rod Peterson, with co-host Serena Taylor, broadcasting from the Podcast Junkie studio here in beautiful downtown Boca Raton, Florida. Two Canadians that love talking NHL hockey and uh, love talking about the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. But on this special fourth episode, brought to you by DraftKings and Pompano Beach House and Baresco, we make it three Canadians. Ed Jovanovsky joins us. Florida Panthers, great. 22nd all-time in games played here for the Florida Panthers. The captain joining us here. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing good. Good, good, I'm good. Doing good. That was my first question. It looks like you're doing good. How is life as Ed Jovanovsky? <laughs> well... A year ago, July, I had my second hip replacement. Ooh. So, previous five years was kind of grinding through it, but I had the surgery done, and it just changed my life. I had, I had one. I had a hip resurfacing done while I was still playing. Um, I had it done in April, came back in January and played, and it was great. But the rehab on that procedure versus a total hip is just totally different. So I opted to go into the total hip. It was great. I had the surgery in the morning, 7 a.m. I was in my house by 11 o'clock. And um, back in the gym every day, feeling good, body's good. But it was, uh, it was pretty beaten up there for, for a while. I just wasn't ready mentally to have another surgery. Wow. So I kind of held it off. And, but after a while, I, I just couldn't put my socks on, couldn't tie my shoes, couldn't swing a golf club, couldn't walk more than a mile. It was just it, it was tough, so... Well, that's good. This has a happy ending. We're right. I felt like we're doing an ad for Baptist Health here. <laughs> and uh, right. you hear those ads right. for everybody doing that. And so, uh, sorry to jump right in, Serena. I should, as if anybody doesn't know, Ed Jovanovsky, 1,128 NHL games, Florida Panthers, Arizona Coyotes, Vancouver Canucks, then back to Florida. Number one overall pick from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. I got a list of questions. But Serena, jump on in. We're, we'll talk about the first week for the Panthers, the Lightning, and the rest of the NHL in a moment. We've got a special guest here, and you were pretty happy to see Jovo too. I was very happy. Yes. I was very happy. You're definitely one of my World Junior heroes. This is this is a big thing. For those of you guys who don't know, the World Juniors in Canada is a huge event and adds one of the heroes for sure. So I know we were kind of talking a little bit about before the show about the World Juniors, but talk to us about any World Junior members that memories that would stand out for you. There's so many. It was great that it was in Canada at the time, you know, in Red Deer. You know, not too familiar with Red Deer. Not much to do there other than, you know, us competing in the World <laughs> Junior. But I remember it was cold. But we did. It was the lockout year, so we had we had an unbelievable team, you know, from Alexander Dag who came back. I mean, Jeff Friesen, Jamie Storr, Jason Allison. I mean, the list goes on. I, you know, I apologize for 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 getting guys, uh, but it was just. Um, you know, every kid's dream, right? You're growing up, you know, around the holidays, you're watching the World Junior and to have the opportunity to, um, you know, to compete in that event in your on your home soil uh, was a pretty neat experience for me. Well, it's often talked about as the greatest Canadian World Junior team of all time. There's arguably been some, the, the lockout after that was Sid and Ryan Getzlaff and all those was also strong, but... Talk to us a little bit about your career now, moving into the NHL, some ups, some downs, just any of that kind of stuff. Well, a lot, you know, my story is kind of weird, I guess. If you're looking at your typical kid growing up, you're probably putting the skates on at five or six years old. I grew up in a soccer family. My dad, you know, was a, uh, 
professional soccer player in Europe, emigrated to Canada. Um, hockey was, wasn't our sport, but um, at the age of 11, yeah, I started playing hockey. And then, you know, fast forward like seven years, I'm playing in the NHL. Everything's gone so quick, but um, it happened quick, I, uh, quick, enjoyed the ride. Um, before you know it, you kind of go through those 19, 20 years and it's over. You know, now you're in retirement, but there was, um, you know, obviously going to the Stanley Cup Finals, my, my rookie year was obviously an up moment for us. <laughs> and then, you know, every year that you don't make the playoffs, you feel down, it's kind of missed opportunity. And, and I think as a young kid coming in the league, having experienced the finals your rookie year, you're like, man, I'm gonna do this again. The league's so good, so tough that you appreciate the winning when you when you do it because um, I guess my next probably opportunity was we had great teams in Vancouver. We just never could get over that hump and, and, and get to a finals. But um, overall, a lot more ups than downs playing in the NHL, but it was, uh, it was a fun ride. I think what's really interesting is this just popped in my head when you said you didn't play till 11. There's a couple other guys in the NHL that didn't start skating till they were 12. You didn't play year-round like kids do now. You probably just played in the winter, maybe skated a little in the summer, and that was it. Is that correct? Yeah, I was, you know, you know, for me, you know, soccer, baseball, I played every, every sport in school, right? But it was. Hockey season was hockey season. We didn't really have summer hockey. There, there possibly could have been a couple events that, you know, you would attend a select team or whatever the case may be. But, you know, me being involved in, in coaching now, in youth hockey, I mean, kids play, you know, they're playing, especially down here in Florida, man, they're playing kind of year round. And I got to hold my son too, cause he's playing. I got to hold him back sometimes. I'm like, go play golf or something, kind of change it up yeah, a little bit. But agreed. listen, you can't take the hunger away from these kids. They want to be on the ice and it is what it is. Do they all want to be playing year round? Cause I look at it, same as her. And you guys were talking about Gretzky before we went to air. Wayne said he played baseball and lacrosse, but these kids, they all want to play year round. I would, I loved hockey and I didn't want to play year round. Right. But these I, kids, I, you look at Florida though, I think there's so much to do. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't grow up fishing. So, I mean, like you got Florida, you're fishing, you got golfing, um, you got every sport, you know, that you can basically play in the elements that we have down here. But I, I think some kids, you know, just have that in them that, they, you know, they want to play around. Not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I think you got to give your mind, your bodies a break from kind of the ice. Not saying you don't stay out of the gym because we all know, you know, training is, is 12 months out of the year now. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's nice to mix it up and, and have that excitement to get back on the ice. Yeah. So for an old retired guy, and I use old as a joke, but <laughs> you, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, busy enough, though, uh, with the coach in minor hockey, you're on television uh, and four kids. You must feel like you don't really get a break. Yeah. The, you know, the older ones are kind of doing their own thing. You know, all this one's working, the other one's finishing her senior year at school, and the other one's kind of just trying to get through high school. Um, but, yeah, I mean, coaching minor hockey, be able to give back and help out. My son plays on the team, so to go out there and, and, um, and have a healthy body to be able to put on the skates and go out there and enjoy the time with the kids is always special. Uh, but, yeah, you know, doing the TV, covering the Panthers, doing the broadcast, keeping me busy, getting me to the rink, seeing the guys, you know. It's always fun uh, kind of going back into arena because that's, you know, a lot, you hear a lot of players talk about it, 
and and that's the one part you really miss is the locker room. So to be able, even as you're covering the team, to be able to go back in a locker room, shoot the shit with the guys, you know, have that camaraderie because there's nothing that can duplicate that in this world. No, of course not. You know, just something about a locker room that you know you miss that time. Guys telling stories, finding what's going on, talk about last game or whatever the case may be. But overall, I think it's, you know, it's it's one of those areas in the game you really miss. Yeah, well, the one thing I would think with these current Panthers, they all know who you are because they all grew up watching the game. And uh, the, I, it's interesting, I mentioned to you when you were walking in here, we hadn't officially met before, but I've seen you in the press box at the games and you always nod and like, you know me, I'm like, that's a good guy. Cause you don't know me now you do. <laughs> right. So I appreciate you coming down and giving us the opportunity to talk about the Panthers. And that's actually a pretty good segue into this three game opening road trip. The home openers Thursday night against the Leafs. Uh, did you watch all those games? What did you think of the opening three? I did. I, I, you know, I felt like the first game that the team played well enough to win. You know, they outshot Minnesota 2-1 to one in that game, 40-20, to 20, whatever it was. I uh, give credit to her credits due. The goaltender played well. Moving into Winnipeg wasn't the greatest game, you know, for the team. Last game in New Jersey, the first 40 minutes of that game looked like Stanley Cup, Florida Panthers. I mean, they were, they were bottling up things, and they made New Jersey look like a really young team, inexperienced team. You know, third period got a little bit hairy. You're up 4 nothing. You know, you s start doing things you probably shouldn't be doing. You kind of open the door and let them back in. So, But all in all, it was a good two points, kind of somewhat salvaging that road trip. And coming into the home opener versus the Leafs, you know, having won a game. So the excitement, the buzz, the place will be rocking. Um, it's important to hopefully get to 500. Mm-hmm. From your experience as a player, do you feel like it would have been a lot harder to start three games on the road before you can finally get back home and get your feet underneath you, be comfortable? Yeah, I think sometimes you're kind of itching for a road trip. I think starting, you know, the season, you know, on the road, you know, it's there's no easy games anymore. And that's that's the thing. And I, I think for, you know, for Florida going on the road, you know, different scenario, you win those games, now you're you know, feeling really good, but it was good to get that last one. But you got to win on the road. You got to be able to win on the road to, to be a playoff team. And, and there weren't easy buildings to play in. But um, good to knock three road games, you know, off the, uh, off the list early on in the season. It's not like junior hockey where your team is on the road for three months because you got some event at the, the room because the cattle the, are coming. Right, yeah. You know, it's a little different. But talk about the travel you know, maybe from playing in Florida versus when you were in Vancouver, the difference in the travel, what that was like. Well, they're, they're both pretty tough. Um, I know in Vancouver, I think one year we were in the air 170 hours. It's a you long know, time. It's a lot of hours, uh, you know, up in the air. Florida too, obviously, the, you know, being Tampa, being close. Um, you know, Carolina being your next, I believe, you know, two and a half hour flight, two hour. But it's still a long flight. Guys, you're, you're not, you're getting home at, you know, 1.30 to 2.30 in the morning off these trips, kind of regroup yourself and get, get back at it. But um, the travel in Vancouver, by especially with the time change as well, you know, you're, a lot of times you're going in a different time zone, so you're getting back and it's, you know, really throws you off. But overall, I mean, it's something that every team deals with. 
you know, the travel's part of the game and, and they want to make it as luxurious as, <laughs> as you can. I mean, guys travel pretty good now, you know, with the charter planes, the great hotels, the meals that are on the plane are, are, are very important to, to guys getting the proper nutrition to be ready to play and recover. But um, it's part of the game that every team deals with. It's crazy. I am actually an, uh, an online fitness and nutrition coach, and I talk about nutrient timing all the time. Think about how far it's come, even since you played, right. the focus that they put in that kind of stuff. You say, here's a couple Gatorades, crush these after yeah. a game, and then, and then you start looking at it now. You start looking at the sugar and everything that's going on in there. But, yeah, how important it is to fuel the body, and you would know. Um, it, it has evolved so much now that, I think a lot of the guys on top of trainers, you know, have nutritionists full time on board to make sure they're kind of monitoring what they're doing in the off season. I think it's imperative for for guys because it's it is, you know, you want to give yourself the best advantage, and and be the most prepared you can be to compete at this level. It's a long year. Absolutely. My last one for you. I think uh, we'll see how we are for time. But you mentioned you grew up a Leaf fan. I want to get the Leafs fans going here with your assessment of their game against Chicago the other <laughs> night. If you will say it again on the air, what you said earlier in terms of who's yeah. coming in here for the home opener Thursday night. Well, growing up, you're right. I growing up a you know huge Leafs fan Saturday night. I mean, it was a big gathering in the house. But yeah, just watching kind of that team and 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 you know this the it's early. I get it, inconsistent. Um, but that game versus Chicago. Um, I really don't know what to think. I, I don't know if the team wasn't prepared. It was a little bit kind of you're a little late to pucks, late to loose battles, losing 50-50 pucks, you know, to a Chicago team that you know, you know, is going to work hard. They're not a very talented team, but they, they certainly, you know, outworked them. And, and with Toronto, I, I see, you know, what happens a lot with them is they get down in games, right? And you always feel with their talent and their skill, they find a way to crawl back into a game. And, and a lot of times they do. You know, as the season moves along, these games are tougher, you know, to come back and, and get yourself out of the hole. But they certainly have a lot of talent. And, um, but, you know, sometimes when you kind of watch that, you can't put your finger on it, whether it's the back end, the goaltending, something is missing, you know, with that team. I think getting to the next, uh, you know, next spot where this, team needs to be and everyone in Toronto is obviously craving you yeah. know a, a long run or a, or a Stanley Cup team um, but who, who who knows I think you know things need to change um, you know and it all comes down to work ethic I lied I got one more mentioning Chicago number one overall pick Connor Bedard you were one so have you thought about yeah what he's different, going they're a little different I mean I, I I guess different in a sense where, you know, you still have, I remember as, as an A2, you still have the pressure, right? You know, you're, you still have the pressure, you know, you were the number one guy, people expect, the expectations go up just to be that much better than guys that were, pro, you know, drafted under you. It doesn't really work that way. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time to mature, to kind of figure out the game. Defenseman a little bit different, you know, position obviously playing. It's a little tougher to kind of get your, your groove and, and mature into that position. But Connor Bedard's heard it for, for so many years, right? He's been the guy that's been talked about and he's come in and I thought, you know, thus far he's, he's looked pretty good. I mean, he's getting a lot of shots on net. He's getting opportunities. 
but this kid is the face of the league in, in our next kind of, you know, crop of young stars that are coming through. He seems like a, like a super humble kid um, and he's going to do well, but he's surrounded by, you see, you see Chicago, they, they brought in a guy like Felino and Perry, good pros, experienced guys that have been around that can, you know, help him in situations, you know, throughout the year. Any last thing? I could talk all day. So could I. So you got one, one more Sorry. for Ed. Well, that's going to be a tough one, but I'm going to have to say, going back to your comment about defensemen, when you played versus now, just quickly talk about what you see from up here as the difference. Well, the, the agility and the way the guys can skate, it's a totally different game now. You used to have a couple guys that you're on your team that know you got to be you know, weary throwing them on the ice. They're out there for one reason. <laughs> and, um, you know, but back then, you know, you put your stick up, the old Lidstrom, you know, yeah. how he would kind of block guys with his stick. Now it's very evident if you can't skate, you get exposed. That's a good bottom, point. Bottom line, you have to be able to skate, go back and get the puck, make that good first pass. And and it's all about that 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 fourth and fifth guy in the attack now. You rarely see now... A guy make a pass and coast. He's up in the play. Why? Because you get defensemen that can do it now. The game has changed where you want guys that be able to play. It's the same like the fourth line, third and fourth line. You have no problem putting these guys on the ice anymore. Back back in the day, you know, your fourth line paid five, six minutes, if that. Yeah. And now you be, you got to be able to roll, you know, four lines, 6D. A lot of the game, keep your guys fresh because this is a long year and now heading into playoffs. Look at both Vegas and Edmonton last year. Four lines, guys right. were and skating. Size. You yeah. look at teams that win Stanley Cups, you look at that back end, you look St. Louis, Anaheim at the time, you, you know, um, uh, you know, last year, Vegas, this is a big back end. Mm -hmm. You know, tough to, you know, lean on these guys for the playoffs and they seem like they last. I feel like the Panthers could use you a little bit, speaking of size. We knew Montour and Ekblad were going to be missed, but I'm sitting watching the games going, Mark Stahl, Gudis, that's the top four. Right. And they're missing just some regularity back there. Yeah, it's sometimes money comes into the uh, equation. The <laughs> I forget cap, about that all the time. You yeah. know, with Gudis, good for him, getting a good, good, uh, good salary, um, good contract in Anaheim. Probably not going to win a lot of games over there, but, you know, sometimes you got to... Look after It'll yourself in those situations, yeah. right? But I think, you know, right now, I think for the Panthers, you, you want to kind of hold as best as you can because, let's face it, I, I, I think when you look at that back end, a lot of teams coming in, you know, to games are, listen, their weakness is on the back end. They got a couple horses that are out of the lineup. You know, let's put it in the corner and let's work them down low. They're going to give the puck up, but... Hey, listen, you got to make do with what you have. These guys are NHL players. You know, Kulikov's played close to eight, nine hundred games, wherever it is. Ekman you know, Larson's great. Ekman Larson, yeah. I played for a couple years in Arizona. He's a stud coming in. Still has it. You know, he hasn't played much hockey. He's been hurt. You know, last year, um, even Mikola, big body, got a couple hundred games under his belt. So you're not getting a rookie throwing him into this situation. You're giving, you're getting pros out there, NHL pros. And it's going to take some time to build that chemistry, and hopefully you can stay afloat uh, till Montour and Eki get back. Well, Ed, the word was, the guy said, Ed's a good guy. You proved it. I appreciate it. This has been fun. 
Hey, Serena. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming down. And we got yeah. a gift card for him from uh, Beach House Pompano, scenic rooftop restaurant on the shores of Pompano Beach, and Baresco, a tropical outpost serving only the freshest tacos and lush jungle vibes. They're at 225 North Pompano Beach Boulevard. The Cats and Bolts podcast is brought to you by or at least in part by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. It's on the screen. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. Promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's promo code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Okay, Serena Taylor, more with you. And you said you could have gone on forever with Ed Jovanovsky. If you had, what would you ask him? What would you say? I would probably ask him a lot more questions about his time playing junior because he played on a very talented Kamloops Blazers team as well that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. I mean, I could ask him a million things. Yeah, well, it's, now that I think about it, well, I put out the call to some of our audience. I said, what questions do you have for Ed? They said, ask about international experience. Thank God you asked him about the World Juniors. I forgot to ask him about the Olympics, 2002. I mean... That's a Hall of Fame resume right there. He's World Junior Gold, Olympic Gold, 1,128 NHL games. That's pretty close to a Hall of Fame resume. In my eyes, in my eyes, if we're going to go down this avenue right now, yeah. Ed Jovanovsky is a Hall of Famer, in there my you opinion. Go. Ding, ding, ding. You have a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that I'm like, eh, really? This guy is a Hall of Famer. He has brought the heat from day one, and not just because of his international resume. Look at all the stuff he's done in the NHL. He's a great ambassador for the game, and he's a fantastic hockey player. Well, I guess I don't know what the criteria is anymore. And somewhere down the line on this show, I want to talk about the Mount Rushmore of Florida Panthers and the Mount Rushmore of Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that today. We'll get one. As we'll a matter work of, on it. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, probably should have asked Ed when he was here. I think that he might be on it. As he said, going to the Stanley Cup final in his rookie season, number I, one overall pick. He's got to be. He's yeah. got to be on there. Who else besides Luongo at this point? Would you? Luongo, would you Jobo. Be like, this is, these are guaranteed. Now, there's arguments for other players. Huberto. He's yeah, the longest serving I, most games played. Yeah, I mean, look at all these guys. There's a lot of players that you could probably put on, let's call it the other two, but Luongo and Jovar for sure. And let's not forget about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, a topic I did not plan on getting into today. So, But it's you're looking at probably Vincent LeCavalier. Well, Martin Tang, St. Louis for sure. I'd put LeCavalier over St. Louis. I was never really? a huge St. Louis fan. Yep. I would put LeCavalier. He's one of, I mean, Stamkos, obviously. Now, see, we're getting into it, which is fine. Le leave that to me. That's the, I'm the segue <laughs> no, person. It's good. Uh, I love Stamkos. Is, I mean, if you look at top junior players to come out of Canada in the last 20 years, Stamkos is in my top five at the lowest, for sure. Uh, right. 
Um, and you got your Vasilevsky, you got your Stamkos, you got your Le Cavalier. I'm not going to fight with you on that. And then a fourth, which could take maybe... We could go on. Yeah, and that's what's fun about the discussion. <laughs> but uh, that'll give us a topic on a uh, winter night when the Panthers and Lightning are on the road. Um, <laughs> well, might as well talk about the Stamkos thing. As we sit here today, the Lightning are on a three-game losing streak. And you and I were watching the NHL uh, on ESPN and saw the take of your guy, Mark Messier, <clears throat> pardon me, and P.K. Supan saying that the Lightning are not respecting Steven Stapkos enough. We've discussed it on this show, but we'll discuss it again until he gets a new deal or he's gone. We're going to talk about it. I don't blame him. We talked, we saw the Stamkos interview. We saw him talk about it. We saw Messier. Obviously, I'm going to agree with everything Messier says because he's the greatest. But even Subban, I agreed with Subban yesterday. One thing Subban said last night was it's a partnership. And that's, I do um, not disagree yeah, with that. Business. He said it's a partnership. I said it's a business. There's no partnership between a team and their players. It's a business. They are your He's an boss. employee. Correct. It's not a partnership. He's not a partner in the team. But I get what he was saying. I think he just misspoke. And the point is, you have to respect your guys. Like Subban said, this guy took a pay cut to stay on his last one, and you're going to do this to him? Listen, Edmonton has a history of having the worst rug pulled out from underneath of you trades in the history of the National Hockey League. I have dealt with it twice. What they did to Ryan Smith was completely, they blindsided Smitty, never wanted to not be an oiler. And this is the same thing that's happening to Samkos. Smitty wanted to talk about his contract and they were like, well, well, the day of the trade deadline, they traded him and he had no idea it was coming. They were talking last night about Samkos potentially getting loaned to Boston. I don't like that term. That's a soccer term. No, rental players is yeah, what they're talking about. Sure, but at the end of the day, I like a guy that goes down with his ship. I was never a fan of Ray Bork going, well, I never won a Stanley Cup in Boston, so please trade me to a team. That is a sellout to me. I don't like it. He doesn't care what you think. but I Absolutely. But, you know, the thing with Stamkos, he's won Stanley Cups. It's not about that. Now he's playing for honor. He's done what he's supposed to do for his team. Give the guy some credit. Like, at least talk to him. So I'm just wondering where you are on that, and I'm not being argumentative. Is he an employee, or is he a guy that's earned the right? Well, he's both... an employee, but you can still respect your employees. I've yet to experience that in life. But... <laughs> well, likewise, I guess. But no, but realistically, you can still respect your employees. You know, if my employee came to me and said, I feel like I would like to talk about making more money because I've been doing X, Y, and Z for you, and I've got you all these clients, I'd be like, okay, let's talk. I wouldn't say, no, let's wait a year. I don't like the way he's being treated either, for the record. I agree with all of it, but I I guess I've seen the harsh realities of this, and I'm not surprised. It's happened over and over and over. But look at the difference in the general managers compared to when he signed however, seven years yeah, ago. he's not or a Breezebois guy, period. I, we talked about how Breezebois is cleaning house, and we had this conversation, and it was like, I've been in a position where I've gone into management and been – Okay, well, I like these people and I think they like me. But at the end of the day, you you have to get a fresh and a clean slate. This is not the same thing with Stamkos. It's Breezebaugh's job to put a product on the ice. That's different than him just being a regular employee. But the point is, it's still a 
owner employee relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, again, as we sit here today and we like to do this show weekly, the update is that the Lightning have lost three in a row. And on the flip side, the Panthers are one and two coming home for the home opener against the Leafs Thursday and the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. But I did notice some update. It might have been on ESPN's NHL coverage somewhere saying here's what happened in the NHL this week. And the big talk was... Connor Bedard. And I was quite interested to get Jovo's take on being a number one overall pick and how the world's different. And it's way different. There was no even internet when he really, <laughs> when he was, to be honest. And uh, he was a defenseman. The expectations are different. But Connor Bedard was held pointless in that Leaf game that he was talking about, Jovo was talking about. I'm interested to see him come here. It's not that far away, November 12th. Bedard's been one of the top stories, certainly top three in the NHL. In the opening week. Well, because the NHL is pushing it. If you look at the promos on ESPN, they're about Bedard. Yeah. Half the people that see those promos have never seen that kid play hockey. They just know he's Connor Bedard. They don't know how he's going to stand up like what Ed was saying about defensemen being different now. That's where we're going to see a huge difference in what Connor Bedard did in the, in the Western Hockey League versus the NHL because of the defensemen. We all know that, right? But the league is pushing I, I knew that Bedard was never going to go to Anaheim or wherever. Arizona. It was not the flavor of the month for Gary Bettman. If Florida or Tampa had the opportunity to draft him, guess where he would have went? South Florida, 100%. He's absolutely like, oh, this is a good place for Bedard to go. So we're going to put him there and we are going to blast this all over. He hasn't come out guns a-blazing because he's an average NHL player. He's got probably more talent than most of them, but it's a different game. He's playing against grown men. Well, he's not men. average. He's 18 years old, and he's going to be one of the greatest players. There's no doubt. So he's a point of game coming in. But what I'm saying is right now, he's not like he's not burning it up and killing everybody and scooting around these defensemen. He's playing like a... a well, I'll show you some highlights that would say otherwise. He turned okay, style so John Klingberg the other night. Um, he did the exact same thing at all the preseason games. Great. You're out, you're saying he's not burning around, guys. He is. He's I'll not, show he's not putting the puck in the net like you're everybody's he's an already. Average everybody's. Player. He is an average. He's like the player. third highest scoring player on the Chicago Blackhawks. Of guys that are all older than him. I'm saying the stats would not agree with what you're saying. See, I disagree. He's not. He he's three games in. I'm telling you, what the numbers like, oh are. my god, he got a, He didn't get a point the other night. He got a goal. Okay, whatever. Great. Good. But you got Zach He's Hyman got four points last player. night. He, okay, just who sat would you here. rather have, everybody, Zach Hyman or Connor Bedard? Right now, Please. this year, Zach Hyman. You can have him. Like <laughs> Go Ed, ahead. Like Ed said, though. Look who he's playing with. And look who Connor Bedard's playing with. Connor Bedard's playing with a couple fire hydrants. Zach Hyman's playing with Connor McDavid and I Leon Draisaitl and Evander Kane. Like, give me a break right now. Come on. Even Ed said you can Toronto was flat and terrible That's the other Connor night. That's not Bedard's fault. But Bedard didn't get a point against them. So if he was that great, how come he's not putting the puck in the net against a flat Leafs His team? His team won, so we're not oh, all now about we're talking. Oh, that's how the tune changes all of a sudden. <laughs> now it's not about Bedard. Now it's about his History team. History will show Zach Hyman versus Connor Bedard. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's what you need to remember coming yeah, out of this show, everybody. Yeah, that's what I everybody. said. I literally just said Zach Hyman is a better player than Bedard. That's it's what I said overall for the rest of time.
What? what? It's apples and oranges. We are never going to agree on this. No. We're never going to agree on this because just because Connor Bedard was a Pats guy, you're a big fan. But number one was, overall pick, all-time I, world junior, right. highest scorer. Okay. Also, the kid, also one kid out of very, 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 very few that's ever been benched at the world juniors for his team. Because Probably of deserved lack. it. I was there. Correct. He did deserve it. Can't think of another guy that got benched at the juniors ever because of his lack know? of. Because we, what do you mean? How did I know he got benched? Because I was the one that said, but Ard got benched. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I think he did. Oh, I was the one that said, but everybody else was too scared to say, hey, Connor, how come you got benched? So what are we arguing here? That he's not as great already as everybody thinks he is. He's, I told you, he's a talented player himself. He's extremely talented. His talent in his body is incredible, but he's no Connor McDavid, not coming out of junior. No way. Um, 1.43 million people watched his NHL debut. The most ever watched regular season because game. of the hype. Because Exa the NHL that's why they're doing it. it. I agree. They're hyping up a guy they've never even seen because of social media. Like we were just talking about Ed, probably Ed, they didn't have social media. Ed wasn't texting nobody before the game. Hey, good luck. Ed's parents didn't stay with him for the first month that he was playing in Florida. Just saying. It's a different life now. Ed's probably got 80 pounds on my heart. What, uh, what are we talking about now? We done? How much time we got? Mm, I would say we're done, eh, Ben? Yeah. Kay. That's it. We'll end on that note, but let's come back next time with the Mount Rushmore. That's going to be our thing. Okay. Thank you to Ed Jovanovsky. Thank you to the good folks at Podcast Junkie Studios. And uh, thank you to our friends at DraftKings, obviously the Beach House, Pompano, and Baresco. And we'll see you next week here on the Cats and Bolts podcast. I'm so used to